Welcome to the second series of the Reworked podcast, brought to you by diversity consultancy EW Group. I'm Rachel Wilson, and every fortnight I'll be speaking to CEOs, HR leaders and workplace activists about the steps they are taking to reform and rework organisational culture. In today's podcast, there are unfortunately a few minor audio issues, but they shouldn't distract your attention from what is a really insightful interview. So today I'm at British Land with Nikki Devet, who is the Organisational Effectiveness Manager here. Uh, British Land is one of the largest property development and investment companies in the UK. And uh, we're really proud to have been working with British Land for the last couple of years. Um, Nikki and I are going to talk about two, two of the most burning questions around D&I, I think. Uh, the million dollar questions. So the first is about getting buy-in for programmes. Um, from staff at all levels and then I also want to ask Nikki about return on investment so that question about how do you me- measure the the impact that the work you're doing is having hello Nikki hello thanks <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me thank you very much for inviting me to your we're in your well-being room at British Land which is just one of the the changes that have happened here over the last couple of years um but before we get on to that Can you tell us, just set the scene and tell us a little bit more about what your role at British Land involves? Yeah, of course. Um, The scope of my role is quite broad. (laughs) I bet. Um, Yeah, like a big big part of it is looking after the culture and all the diversity and inclusion work that we do. Um, But I also look after organisational restructures and our approach to talent and succession. So it's quite varied, but they're all sort of, sort of interlinked mm. um, if you really think about it um, and it's, it is really organisational effectiveness and it's, I like it that it, that it touches on, on so many angles um, it really has shaped itself throughout the years and it also has always been kind of dependent on what was required at the time so whatever comes up um, is sort of what, what I work on and um, yeah it's, a lot of it's been project based so it's been very varied which is good and how many years have you been Wow. Well, in August, I will have been with British Land for six years. Um, And I've been in, I'm part of the HR team, so I've been in HR for over four years now. Great. Yeah. Now, um, we've known each other for a little while, and I know a little bit about the journey that you've you've been on in terms of culture change, and you've been driving a lot of this work at British Land. Um, Can we go back a few years and just talk a little bit about what triggered the need for culture change, or what, what the need that you identified yeah, of course. I think a big part of how, how things started was um, when we started to form a women's committee and an LGBT committee, and those two sort of came up at the same time. And they were really driving things from the ground up. Um, and they were, they were, push, they were pushing for, for change, and they were actually sort of kind of pushing on an open door because their CEO has always been very very receptive um, to anything to do with um, D&I or, or the culture work so they they got, got quite a bit of autonomy in a way to, to drive through um, some of the things that they were seeing that, that needed to change and one of the things that they identified that we needed to do was a, a study that we called the perception study um, and they recommended that we would do the study, we signed it off and we went ahead with it and um, it was done through a third party and through this pretty much all of our employees had a chance to have their say mm-hmm. in how they see things here at Bridgeland. 
Um, and obviously all sorts of things came out of that. And it was quite shocking in some of the areas um, that that where things were really in need of improvement. And one of the things, for instance, that the majority, the vast majority of the employees couldn't recall what our values were. So if they can't know what, if they don't even know what they are, how can they live them, right? So that was a big thing. Mm. And a, and there was a lot of unconscious bias coming through, like um, in, in a big part of the study. So I think that is sort of what kicked things really off and what therefore got the attention of senior leadership of all the employees and we were really transparent in when we um, were discussing the results so yeah. I think that sort of kick-started things okay yeah great well um thanks for sharing that I mean I suppose when you for any any organization if you haven't asked the employees for some time for their opinion what well, you are going to get some surprises aren't you yeah yeah and I think I think we obviously we always ask and now we do it way more often, but we always ask, like, in a, in an employee engagement survey how people are doing, but you can't get to the nitty-gritty of it with it often, mm. and particularly the survey we were using at that time really wouldn't get us to the bottom of what we what we clearly needed to hear. Mm. Yeah. So although it was painful, slightly painful process, yes. and it was very, it sounds like it was incredibly worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It was incredible. Yeah. It, it shifted things for yeah. us, really. Yeah. And so you mentioned um, your chief executive then, yeah. uh, Chris. Yes. Uh, he, back in, you know, back in a couple of years ago, even then, was, was behind the diversity and inclusion agenda. Yes. Uh, so I guess from the outset, having him as a champion would be helpful. But how did you go about getting this on the radar of the rest of the senior leadership team? Yeah. Um, a very good question getting, getting that buy-in piece yes so I think Chris always been very vocal um, and I think the thing that needed to shift was not only talking the talk but it's also walking the walk mm. and I think that's sort of where where we had to shift even though because Chris can't do everything on his own and I think a big a big change came when my boss Anne Hanshaw joined Bridgeland which she joined just before sort of that we commissioned this perception study that I just mentioned and I think with her being in the role that she is in working closely with the chief exec was really able to sort of push things through because she just approached things from a very different perspective like she brought with her lots of experience in bigger companies and she she really worked with Chris and the executive committee team before she even became part of the Exco to to shift this along. And then um, we also had Darren Richard, who is now um, head of real estate, who was very vocal about it as well. And between the three of them, I think, if I look back, that's how they move things along on that senior level and getting the others on board and really bringing, bringing it back to the table constantly. Um, that it's not only about saying the right things, but it's actually actively doing it mm. ourselves. Mm. Um, so it took a kind of a core group of advocates. And I guess, um, I'm sure Hen- Anne was um, incredibly instrumental in driving this forward. Yeah. But I guess Darren would be very important because he would be able to, him being vocal around this, and in addition to Chris, would just show that this isn't just an HR yes, preoccupation. Exactly. And I think, I think that has been key across the whole of the organization not just at senior level but 
but at all levels that this is not driven by HR. Yes, we take on a lot of the work. A lot of the work sits within policy. A lot of the work sits in to changes that we we can make it from an HR perspective. But the actual driving force is is not HR, mm. if that makes mm. sense. Absolutely. Yeah. So what were some of the, the barriers that you encountered at that point? Maybe not just from the senior leadership team, but from staff. When you started talking about... Um, the changes that you wanted to implement I mean maybe even ahead of our training that we delivered so we we obviously we came in and designed an, inclu- designed an inclusive uh, cultures program that, yeah. that was rolled out to all staff um do you remember from that time what some of the barriers challenges were or some of the op- opposition yeah. I think I think this that that perception study opened up a lot. So I think as soon as we opened up about that, it dropped a lot of the barriers, I think, because it was there black and white, right? You couldn't really mm. go around that. I think before it's sort of like before that it probably was around yes, we yes, we know about unconscious bias, but surely we don't have that in this business. Or yes, that's right, but that doesn't apply to us. Mm. Or thinking that Yes, in the concepts of all this inclusive culture work and unconscious bias exist, but not really seeing it as being part something that we would need to work on. So I think it's a mind. I think the biggest barrier is sort of that mind mindset shift, and I think having been able to ask our entire workforce how they felt about certain things here, and then brutally, <laughs> you receive the yeah. answers that it, you can't go around it. Then, so I think it it was that that treated was asking those questions that created a mindset shift that Mm. broke through the barriers that that were there Mm. um and then i think there is practical barriers like finding the time to train everyone Mm. like i know we're quite small but still that you know that's a big ask asking people to take a day out of their diary on top of their day job on top of other training programs um but we were quite yeah we made it work so mm. I think yeah I mean you say you're quite small on headcount you might head you might count. be but as a FTSE 100 yeah. multi-billion pound turnover um I guess I think I recall actually one of the challenges um being from from some some people in the business being well actually we're, we're really successful yeah we're doing fantastic we're doing very well our results are great so why do we need to change yes I think that a lot of companies will get yeah. that kind of response from people yeah um, if it ain't broken, why fix it? Why fix it? And I, yes, at the time, particularly our our results were were good, and we we were doing we were doing great. But it's like like it's it's your internal culture, isn't it? And mm-hmm. I think this came about around the same time, and the focus on it has even more so increased. It's around it's around a customer. For us, in the end of the day, it's we deliver for our customer. We create places we prefer for our customers. Um, so if we if we have an unconscious bias in our system that will automatically also be seen on the outside of it will or it will mm. be noticed on the outside and it's kind of like if we want to attract all these amazing pe- people coming to shop and work at our places then we also need to represent that and that's um not only diversity of thought but it's in general the diversity and makeup of our workforce yeah. so i think um getting that 
sort of message shift. about message. future proofing yeah so getting up yeah getting that massive mm. message out like we like our property are, are across the country like we touch communities that are from very very different backgrounds that the people um, in our office might be so mm. it's kind of like we need to recognize that mm. and work with that to to drive value for the business mm. at the end of the day so it sounds as though a lot of it was a a lot of the way for you to get momentum and buy-in was about messaging and yes. comms. Yes. And making sure that, that you were repeatedly, I imagine, repeatedly sending out those messages yes. about this is about customer focus and client retention. and Yeah, and building an inclusive culture and like seeing that if you have a culture where people can be themselves and where people feel free to bring their whole self to work, which is now one of our new values, actually, bring yourself to work, bring, bring your whole self, um, that therefore you create more productivity, more efficiency, more collaboration, mm. and that will therefore ultimately deliver better outcomes for our customers. Yeah. So it's it's that messaging, like you said, yeah. and it's, it's been in the comms, in the comms piece, and Darren, Darren has always been really good at bringing it back to the why. Why are we doing this? Mm. What is the business mm. case for driving change for training everyone in unconscious bias for you know removing names from cvs bring it back to why we're doing certain yeah, things yeah. yeah so how has momentum built then over these past couple of years yeah it's a very good mm, question the post some of the big bigger steps you took around the training delivery and the um... yeah I think once we started to really openly talk about the the well challenges that we had that we wanted to change um, we started to notice that everyone actually or a, a, a big part of of our employees really wanted to be part of that change so they started to drop by Anne's office or they coming to see me and say really like I'm really interested in this topic like ethnic diversity for instance mm-hmm. can 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 I start building a network around this yes oh great go for it same with the well well-being became a big part of it well-being mental health all of that um, and people passionate about these subjects and really wanting to create change in that area so what we did is that we would just allow them would give them a small budget and would just run off and like autonomously like find other people that wanted to join them and run mm. with ideas. And I think that's sort of the momentum that was starting to build because we were open and allowed for that to happen. Um, which I think that was that was how things yeah really started to get going. And then so well we're in our wellbeing room at the moment, and this is one of the initiatives that came that came about like. Um, that we really hope we need to give people some space to if they need some peace and quiet they should mm. be able to get that mm. right and it's and yeah it's being used all the time actually an initiative that the um, women's committee throw through was around shared parental leave so obviously shared parental leave is, is a statutory right however it was around equal pay for men and women in that respect so we we opted for share parental pay is what we called it and so men and women like who were having a baby could could get time off and get paid like 
for I think it's it's six months full pay Fantastic. Um, wow. so yeah that's been that is brilliant and because I think we, we we created such a mindset like change people were open to to these type of things we've got unisex toilets on our yep. third floor where all our meeting rooms are yeah like the the feedback has been mixed but it's a quite a bold statement mm. in terms of like mm. how how we're progressing things definitely forward. yeah so these like you said a policy change like like on shared um parental leave yeah um smaller steps like identifying areas like this well-being space they all send out such a powerful signal don't they to yeah to people it's not it's it actually actually the policy change shows that you're backing up what you're asking people you know you're asking people the staff to to, to change and to to adopt new behaviors but actually you're backing that up with well this is the benefit we're going to give you some benefit back yeah exactly and i think another example around that is around flexible working as well Mm. that was one of the things that came out of the study quite strongly that that was yeah non-area we're very good at again statutory right to request flexible working right but in practice Mm. how that was dealt with at different departments was quite different um and then also the sense of like does it need to be contractually or can it be a bit more ad hoc like if i want to work from home one day a week do we need to write that in my contract not necessarily because it's around it's around having that flexibility and that conversation with your line manager and working out how that works so mm. we, we, we created a lot of progress in that area and actually recently we've now sort of merged with our property management arm of the business formerly known as Broadgate Estates but now officially part of British Land um, and as part of that we we moved a few of our colleagues um, into our York House headquarters um, which meant we needed to look differently at how we were using our space which meant that we switched to an agile working model which even further progresses um, our approach to flexible working mm-hmm. and I think yeah it is it is really it's really good to see how many people feel f- now more free to work whether it's from home from one of our different locations and 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 divide their time mm. a little bit more around how that works for them rather than being dictated by mm. the desk and needing to be here and i think we we've seen a huge shift in that wow that that's amazing yeah and actually and it's driven by a real business need yeah it's so it makes sense to everybody why you're doing it yes and you also, um, British Land, you've recently got into the sort of co-working space, haven't you? Offering yeah. uh, co-working offices. Yeah. So I guess you're kind of living what you're offering to your customers as well. Well, exactly. And like Story um, is for smaller um, businesses from yeah. 20 to 70 employees, roughly, or desk, away, whichever way you're looking at it. And it's like, um, yeah. So again, that's something that we're creating for the customer. Yeah. Um, and then we need to be able to live by that ourselves as well. Also for that, for us to understand better what, what is it that they're actually mm. need, needing mm. in this space. Um, the world of work is changing mm. completely from the use of space to what kind of cultures people expect to mm. work in. Mm. And um, I think with other work um, generations coming in, like the younger generations, particularly now, they, they very, very carefully look at those things. That's questions they ask during interview process, like what's your approach to flexible working? Um, how, what are you doing on uh, sustainability? How do you go about mm. um, you know, providing uh, equal rights for dads and mums? And, and like, those are questions. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we need to- That's fantastic. Work with that. So 
Um, I promised that we'd talk about return on investment. Yes. And um, obviously it's so important that you're able to show that return on investment for culture change, not only for the senior leaders, but for I guess for staff as well. They want to see that their, their time and effort that they've invested in attending training and engaging with you know, employee resource groups and all, has been has made a difference. So this that was my next question, but I think we're already in that question really because I think <laughs> all these changes that you've you've just talked about that have been absorbed into the culture that is part of a return on investment, isn't it? That those the changing the toilets, the well-being room, the, the policies that those have been adopted is a, is a return on investment actually yes, on its own. Yeah, yeah, I think. I think that's right. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Return on investment. Mm. I think um, we still find that things are quite difficult to measure in this space. Yeah. Um, well, if I think about like some of the initiatives that we have done, like I think, so take shared parental leave and the uptake for that. Yeah. Once we first launched that, even with the policy around the, the equal pay for, for men in that, like, maybe one one in the first year that took it that actually took mm. um share parental leave but now it's pretty much all any dad dad that will have a newborn will take some time off mm. and that is a huge change in the last like two to three years and i think Great. it is really lovely to to see them embrace it and like and making use not only of 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 what we offer but also how that will affect their sort of dynamic in their family and like and giving maybe for instance um their partner like the opportunity to go back to work in a very more relaxed sort of way um amazing yeah and it's measurable and it's and it is measurable so that that is one of them i think the other one i would say that how we measure things is also around employee engagement yeah i think i touched on the survey um before so at the time before i think just around the time of when we did the perception study our employee engagement scores were at an all-time low it were net they were have never been that low and i think having those low scores plus the results of that study i think (laughs) we were all a bit like wow okay this is a big this is quite this is quite big Mm. we need to we need to make some changes and then but once we've gone we started on our change program and made particularly change around flexible working giving people more access to training and career progression and working with yourselves on the unconscious bias and inclusive culture change the survey after that is the highest results that we've ever had wow so you can you can see Mm. how how that has a, a, a huge effect and i think um that's that's been great Mm. and i think on the back of that i started to explore because employee engagement is something i look after as well like how what can we do better there so we've now installed a different type of functionality tool as it were that we can quickly send surveys out we can pulse check on a regular basis and we can we can actually respond Mm. um much quicker Mm. so i think yeah I think if I would mention one thing on the measurement side, it would be yeah. probably employee engagement. Wow. And what might you measure next? Have you got yeah ideas about going going further with the measurement? Well, yes. Well, I think there's a lot of external measurements we have as well. Like, so take, for instance, the, Ale- the Hampton Alexander Review. We're doing quite well in um, on the um, top 10. We're in the top 10 businesses for the 
the pipeline towards exco from a gender from a gender balance so that yeah. that's positive we're in the top 50 around social mobility which is also quite good um i think the key thing for us is that we would like to encourage our employees to disclose their diversity data yeah we ran one of those surveys once a few years ago um, which actually we had a huge take up, 95% of people filled out, which was amazing, but it was completely anonymous. So that means that we can't slice the data in any way, which means you can't actually see anything other than a snapshot of your mm-hmm. of your employee or of your workforce. Um, so what, what I'd like to do is that we encourage them to open up so we can use the data in a way that, for instance, we could start measuring an ethnicity pay gap. Mm-hmm. or we can track better our efforts around social mobility mm-hmm. um, which are things that we we can't really at the minute and mm-hmm. it it basically would mean that we the, the survey can still be anonymous and that no one will have access to the results but the, the data would need to live somewhere so we, we can attribute it to the individual yeah. so we can actually make the most of it mm. so yeah that mm. would be next well, that feels, that sounds and feels like a natural next step anyway for you. Yes. Uh, sounds from the culture that people will be ready to to share that information and, and have now have that level of understanding about why it's important for British yeah. land and what you're going to do with it. Yeah, because we're sort of, sometimes, we're sort of, because we can't fully measure, we're sometimes limited in what we can do in certain areas. And we'll take the Parker Review, which is actually around ethnicity pay gap, that will... Um, or the ethnicity breakup and the fact that you will need somebody um, on the board from an ethnic background. Yeah. I think it's in 2020 or 2021. Um, I think, yeah, it's sort of those external sort of lenses that have been put on us create momentum within the business to do something. The thing that I don't like to say to people is like, well, we need to measure this externally, so please fill this out. And yeah. I don't think that's that's quite right Mm. um but yeah also on the side of lgbt um there's there's things that we would really like like to measure and i think we can tailor way more where we spend our time if we would have that data properly Mm. so yeah Mm. well congratulations you've come you know you've come a long long way it's amazing and thank you so much for sharing for sharing it so candidly with me i'm you know i really appreciate it i'm sure a lot of people will find this really helpful your journey is there anything you would do differently if you were to go back a couple of years any learning any learning what would be a tricky question yeah it's a tricky question if anything i think we've been quite bold particularly for the business that we are and where we come from and the fact that we're in a traditional industry and I think we have we have been quite bold, but maybe there's yeah there's something around you know certain things might have taken a bit longer than than needed, and I think mm. just be you know all in sometimes yeah and go, we're just we're gonna go for this and quickly create create that change because when the, the the times that we have done that for instance around share parental leave that's been taken so well yeah so i think it's sort of having enough trust in ourselves that we can handle certain things even if we're a bit bolder um but yeah i suppose that's yeah that's that's a good one but and it's 
it's easier to say with hindsight, isn't it? Yes, but at the time, you wouldn't know exactly what the appetite was. So absolutely. So I a think, bit of caution is understandable. Yeah. Yes, um, yeah. and you've achieved amazing results. So final thing, I wondered if we could come up with your three key ingredients for driving um, an inclusive culture or culture change. And from what you've been saying, I'm picking up themes. One definitely, which I think is is really interesting, seems to be around getting buy-in kind of from the ground up. Yeah. So that happened with the engagement survey initially. You've you've said that that now, a couple of years down the line, you're getting people are stepping diversity sort of champions, if you like, are stepping forward from the business and asking to be involved. Yeah. And that's that's a hallmark of that groundswell of enthusiasm from yeah the bottom of the business and right up through it so that seems that That's seems one. to be a key yeah thing. it's it's actually having engaged employees really employees yeah. like that even though when all the not so nice stuff came out still people were saying this is a great place people still like, cared we, we still yeah they yeah. still care they're loyal they're all behind british land and i think that that is key even though they're they clearly signaled for things to be different they also still were mm. backing the company or us as a mm. as a collective and i mm. think so yeah it's like having having engaged employees in that way I think. yeah 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 okay so that's definitely one thing yes what i else? think yeah you you can't do it without i think senior senior sort of buy-in the buy-in I yeah. think I think it like because and we're super lucky with that the amount of senior people that are so open to this but I can't imagine there's companies out there that are not that lucky and I think then our employees can have the great groundswell that they mm. had with us but if they're not sort of being heard mm. I think you're not gonna go very far yeah I'll never forget that session we ran with your executive committee where they they were just so excited to be sitting down for three hours talking about one subject I know and they, they, they actually we've did never it. spent this long talking about one just one thing I know and I it was know. a treat for them actually it was and then they pledged on the back of that remember they all created yeah. a pledge yeah. and I guess that helped with momentum as well for them to go first for them to take each yes. make an individual statement about what they were going to do differently. Exactly. And for them to be able to speak to their teams about it mm. and, you know, reiterate that the message and the importance of it. Mm. Yeah. Great. So I think so that's two, two things. I think I'm trying to think in terms of an ingredient. I think what has actually been really important for us is to partner with someone like yourselves no and and no and get i didn't prompt you to say no you you actually did not and i i just thought about it as well like i think that because we you can't do everything yourselves like and i think Mm. we come back to that as well like even though we know we've done great stuff even though we're no sort of known in the industry for having done certain things and people look to us but we're very good also at putting our hand up and it's like hey like we, we don't have all the answers we've got still a long way to go um and i think it comes to it's like that asking for help sort of thing and being able like we can't do all this ourselves so i think to be able to work with ew group and some of the other great um companies out there that we've worked with mm. has majorly shifted mm. us along and finding finding sort of partners that sort of understand you as a business 
and really are not trying to force their product or service on you but work with you to really create something that is is needed and is tailored so i think yeah <laughs> oh awesome. well thank you though that's a that's the perfect place to finish <laughs> for me <laughs> although i was just thinking about just to reiterate what you said about changing your policies and procedures as well to really back up it really sends out that really strong signal that this is this is not just asking you to do something we're giving you we're giving you equal benefits and we're giving you facilities like a well-being room we're we're, as a business we're taking steps too I think that that was really powerful from from what you said earlier as well yeah I think I yeah I think policy change is really is required but if people are not feeling comfortable to take up policy then Mm. it's not doing anything and Mm. then it's just words on paper Mm. so it really Timing had to be right. Yeah, I guess. and it's a beha- it's a behavior change in the end, mindset yeah, change yeah, in the end of the yeah. day that enables to to the policies to be to flourish in a way. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all of that, Nikki. It's a really powerful case study. Thank you so much for having me. Congratulations! It it's very interesting. <laughs> and congratulations on all that you've achieved. Thank you very much. I hope this episode gave you some ideas that you can replicate in your own organisation. We'd love it if you could leave a review and also subscribe to Reworked so you don't miss our next episode. Diversity and inclusion at work has never been higher up the agenda. The EW Group team includes learning and development specialists, facilitators, researchers and analysts, all with deep expertise in equality, diversity and inclusion. If you think we can help you rework your own culture please get in touch.